Hello, everybody. Welcome to Saints Radio. And for all of you who have just made it back to your homes from the seminar, we want to thank you for your willingness to travel. Some have not yet returned. I think that, the, to my knowledge, the last two are leaving today. And who is that? Would it be Haley and Yowali? Haley is on a flight. So she's leaving today. She's left. <laughs> okay. And Yowali goes this evening. So we thank all of you who were able to come. And we thank those of you who joined with us on live stream. Um, and we're just still trying to recuperate and uh, gain our strength back uh, after exerting our energies before the Lord this past week, but we're also, most importantly, giving thanks to Him for all the good things He did. Amen. Amen. The week, the, the days following the seminar, we learned early on, are really just as important as the days leading into it. Because um, not only do we have the responsibility to nurture and cultivate the seed that God's planted, and what that looks like, I'm sure for all of you that come and then you go back to your terio and and find ways prophetically to apply what God has just downloaded into you, namely just the revelation of His presence. And I know that. Um, can't remember who I was talking to because we've all talked to so many people in the last 10 days, but talking to somebody about just the reality that the impartation and the, I don't want to say the experience, but the submersion, the, um, the residue of what every one of us has experienced is something that you don't walk away from here, you take with you, and you impart it and insist upon it in the place where you pray, where you fellowship, where you gather, whether it be a church or your prayer closet, your home, and, um, it, you know, it's something that, that you have to insist upon. It's not like going to a seminar and you take a bunch of good notes and then you walk away, you close the binder, and you don't look at it again for two years, which I've been to those seminars, trust me, particularly in the workforce. You know, you go and you get all inspired and encouraged and you learn a lot, and then you close that binder and you get busy at home and you don't open it back up. That's not what this is. This is a living, breathing, real-time, um, what am I trying to say? <laughs> We're a little bit tired, so just give us a little bit of grace. Uh, just, it's, this is reality, I guess I should say. And so, and not to mention the fact that, not to give too much credit to the enemy, we don't want him coming in and trying to take the territory that we just took dominion of. Right. So we have to guard over the seed. We have to guard over what God has done and what he has promised 
with everything within us. And sometimes the enemy likes to take a shot at us when we're tired and weary. But remember, the flesh is weak, but the spirit is willing. And if, if you know, there were so many scriptures that we talked about this week, that is one that we really need to remember that, yes, our flesh is weak, but our spirit is willing. Yeah, it's uh, so many of the things that God shared with us this past week were, I don't want to say warfare oriented, activity oriented. Uh, moving forward in function, which I guess to some degree may be considered warfare, but to me, doing what you're supposed to do and um, functioning is is just living. Now, the enemy will probably try to withstand that. He may try, as Monica said, to discourage you from remembering what God has said. So I guess overcoming that is kind of warfare, but it's more of a of an insistence. It's kind of like with our country when China says, we don't want you doing this, but we do it anyway. That's not really warfare, but it's insisting on our right to do what is our right to do. And um, now, geopolitically, you know, recently in the Black Sea, that Russian MiG crashed into one of our drones in international waters. Um, that kind of is an act of war, since Putin gave them both, uh, the pilots of those that plane, medals for doing it. So it wasn't, a, you don't give medals for somebody who does an accident, you know. One of my twins drops a cup on the floor and it spills. I don't give them a medal for it. That That's not an accident. But, you know, sometimes the enemy does things and then you react in affirmative that you're going to do it anyway. I don't know whether that's war or not or just you insisting on being what you're supposed to be. Warfare is something that's more strategic aggression obedience we're taking land but you just functioning on behalf of who you are in the Lord I guess could be construed as warfare but it's more you just waking up and being what you're supposed to be the enemy doesn't want you to do it he'll try every way he can to discourage you from doing it maybe that's a warfare strategy on his part but I think we need to take a really good look at what's the difference for us don't worry about the enemy in this what's warfare and what's function so the Lord gave us a whole bunch of new things last week that we should be accepting and as Monica just said remembering and putting into motion um, that's function and you know you Monica has worked out a lot and I, I've done recently lots of therapy and and you've done therapy but sometimes when you do things that your body's not used to doing that is painful but it's part of the process that's really not warfare 
that's maybe you're warring against yourself because the Bible says the natural man is at enmity mm-hmm. in a measure of disdain and dare I say resistance against the things of the spirit so maybe Paul said there's a war within me I know I should do right but I don't want to do it so maybe that's war but on the big picture spiritual warfare is when you're going out to to establish the kingdom if you're if you're dealing with internal issues then I don't really know that you can classify that as war it's it's you insisting on being what you're supposed to be so we got a lot of stuff last week from the Lord that was all fresh meat are we going to do as Monica told us not to do and just put it in a binder and stick it away somewhere are we actually going to go back through and do something with it yeah so I don't know um, I, it's, it's funny when you do things in the spirit realm that are new so often you feel drained in a way that is unexplainable and, you know, and that's why, you know, you read things in the Bible, like about Daniel, who said, you know, in my words, that he had contemplated these encounters with the angelic, and he was, he determined not to think about it anymore for a while, because he was sick many days. What's that mean? Some people could rebuke that. God doesn't want you that way. But, yeah, what about Elijah? when he had that great breakthrough and then he just was in that funk. Now there was more stuff going on there than um, than just reeling from an encounter in the spirit realm, but when you, and there are other instances of that. I think, honestly, I mean, I, I think that our physical bodies, our spirit man is so strong and so it should be so prevalent in our existence and who we are that sometimes my physical body responds sometimes it's positive sometimes it's exhilarating sometimes it's um i want to to leap other times it's draining Mm -hmm. and i think it's just our, our 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 physical frame trying to acclimate to really the strongest force in us which is our spirit man and i mean if if the mind is at enmity with the things of the spirit your mind controls a lot of stuff and i'm not saying your mind tells you when you're tired but i know that my mind does sometimes my mind tells me that oh my gosh do you realize you just ran this race for the last seven days and you didn't you haven't had a break and you haven't had any time to yourself and you haven't you know had any refresh you know you know what your mind tells you you've got all this ahead of you and there's so much and that makes me tired (laughs) so our bodies respond i think plus there has to be i mean if our minds are in enmity with the things of the spirit there has to be a constant struggle um between those two things. Yeah, and that verse you cited, 
The flesh is weak, as the nail. The body was designed to recline. It should function, but if, if, given, if given the chance, unless you're just driven by something, it's going to want to recline. Ask the nail. Yeah. And it's, it's a form, but it needs to be functioning, but it's just prone not to function. So you've got to make it function. And we see that, we see that with, a lot of times we hear from saints who, who say, well, I've just not been, basically they say that they're not functioning in the spirit. They give all kinds of excuses. What are we supposed to do about that? Get behind them, rah, rah, let's go, you know. We're with you, come on, keep going. Uh, who does that for, who does that for, I don't know, I'm, I'm getting off now. We have a responsibility to do what we're supposed to do. You know, it's interesting because this morning I was reading in the Word, and I was reading where God was meeting with Moses and giving him, you know, all the covenant laws and things like this. And at the end, he says, on the seventh day, you make it a Sabbath. It is to be a day of rest and refreshing. And I didn't have time to, like, study this out, but I thought, we understand what the rest is. Because we understand the principle of the Sabbath. But the refreshing comes from the word soul. And to me, it's like the breathing soul. And it's how, how, are, how is your breathing soul partnering? How is your breathing soul devoted to the Spirit of the Lord and to Yahweh? How, how, and to me, that therein lies the refreshing. And like I said, I didn't study this out because I didn't have time, but it just caught my eye. And I thought, that's really interesting because I get the Sabbath. And I, and I think sometimes, uh, I think sometimes, like the Lord reminds me and draws me into, it, maybe it's not a full day, but a couple of hours where he says, I want you to take a Sabbath rest. It doesn't mean that I'll lay down and take a nap. It means that generally I will sit with him and like we understand the Sabbath and you reflect and, and you, you know, meditate on who you are and who he is and, and, and you look forward, you know, there's just a lot of principles there, but what is that refreshing that he, I mean, he says to Moses, this is what I want this to be is a time of rest and refreshing. And, and I, I feel like I feel that I need that. I need to understand what that means because um, this is this is a a challenging moment for me personally with regards to things of this world that are just I, I have demands for and I need to make sure that I can stay in that place of rest that I have preached about <laughs> and also know how to to gain that refreshing and let it just supply me so I think there's just maybe some revelation there that could be life-giving for us because our I mean our flesh if we're not careful our flesh if it is not submitted fully to the spirit we are frail and and I and and yet at the same time we have to be wise 
and, and know when we do need to take that time of rest. Yeah, I mean, it's, that, that's interesting because, you know, like you, we talked about the presence of the Lord and you, you referenced last week about it saying that, that rest would be part of it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm, I'm looking at that passage in Isaiah 28 where it speaks about stammering lips and unknown tongue. This, you'll call this the weary to rest, the new, to nuach. And this is the refreshing. And what is the word for refreshing? Well, that's what I'm looking at right now. It's 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 a it's a time, but it can also be a place. And and again, this is a bigger this is a bigger topic. Because I the the one in in the Exodus is, it's the word that comes from the word soul. Well, this is margia. Okay, that's a different word. Um. So what is the bir- what is the passage in Exodus what is it referring to It's referring when God was speaking to Moses about what he was requiring of the people right and before he, he got the 10 the commandments and he says I'll look it up. Yeah I just I could there's 500 refreshing so I just need to know <laughs> where it is Well I can tell you right now um, Actually I don't see a refreshing in Exodus maybe, Okay maybe I was looking in the New King James Oh, you're reading one of those wacky Bibles, huh? I'm playing with you. Well, there's the Strong's. Exodus 31. Exodus 31. Excuse us while we do a little bit of a Bible study here. Exodus 31. Speaking about Bezalel. Anyway, we hope that you're all doing well. And um, that whatever your return to your home Terrio is or those of you who were there participating in this seminar on live stream that the Lord is giving you his rest and his refreshing um, it says in King James it says refreshed it refreshed. says yes because he's telling the, pe- the children of Israel what they're supposed to do and it says, it is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. In the six days, the Lord made heaven and earth. And on the seventh day, he rested and was refreshed. And it's n- Napus, which Isn't comes from... is an auto, auto parts store? <laughs> which comes from the word soul. Soul. Yeah. Nafash or something like that. Take um, a breath, refresh oneself. But um, it's interesting that it's breath. Yeah. Napasa. Yes. Napasa Sukasa. Meaning refresh to rest to refresh oneself. The renewal of energy in mind and body. And it applies to persons and work animals. Hmm. Hmm. So, does this mean then that um, that there's some kind of remedial strengthening that God provides so that we can pick up from there and go forward or is it just kicking back doing nothing because you've just exhausted no it's not the latter I think it's we were made to breathe hard after him we were made we've talked about rest meaning breath 
And when you re- when you really rest in the Lord, you're resting in his breath. And, and I mean, that's the whole principle of um, Abba, is you get so close to him that you're actually breathing his breath. I mean, that, to me, is where I find my supply. And so if I'm going to be refreshed in the midst of the breath, wouldn't it be similar to the principle of the Sabbath, where I... I, I find the devotion of my in of of who I am invested in who he is in me and and his plan and I don't know. I, I like I said, I'm grasping here but <laughs> I'm reading this new international dictionary of the old testament about this word and it says uh that it it speaks about life, person, self, desire. It is also in Akkadian, the word for throat. And it may also be found in some derivations in the Old Testament. Um, comparable roots in the Ugaritic and the Akkadian confirm the basic biblical meaning for to be breath. Care should be taken not to import a Greek paradigm of psychology through, though at times in over 700 appearances it refers to the inner person, it seldom denotes a soul in any full sense. Initially it means the literal breath of both animals and humans. But the odd thing is that uh, ironically it can denote a non-breathing corpse. <laughs> Which is weird. So I'm wondering, I mean, we'd have to break through this. So why would God say on the sixth, he created the earth, he created everything in six days, and on the seventh day, he said, now this is I rest and I was refreshed. Well, to me, this is what I'm wondering. Is there some capacity that is released to us? If it's used of an animal that's been exerting itself, and they say, well, you better let that... You better let that horse rest or it's going to die. What is there in this that supplies in a tangible way something that we need as a replenishment or in light of what you've accomplished, something that you're going to need from that point going forward? And again, we're going to talk about this for three minutes now. Yeah. So we don't have an answer. Yeah. Um. But I think we're living that right now. Because, again, in Isaiah 28, regarding our ministry in tongues, that's a different, that's a different refreshed. But it's a re- rest and a refreshing. So you got rest and this, and you got rest and this margea. So why is there that combinative of the nuach and one of these things, one after the seven days, one after or after the six days, and one in the midst of tongues mm-hmm. in its ongoing relationship to the nations. I don't know. We'll figure it out. I think that, I mean, just thinking about speaking in tongues or prayer. I mean, I can tell you that, I mean, oh, I probably don't want to open this can of worms but when we we can speak in tongues it's just it's just like second nature for us 
right? And we're praying in the spirit, in the spirit. And there's been times where there's either been hindrance or maybe a lack of some measure of an anointing. I don't, you can call it whatever you might call it, but you know that you have this responsibility to pray in tongues, pray in the spirit. And it feels like striving. It feels like Mm -hmm. your tongue is going through the mud as opposed to flowing in the water. I mean, we've all had times like that more often than not. Sometimes I'm at the grocery store and I think, oh, I need to pray in the spirit because I sense something and I start praying. And if it's not coming through that, that spirit, that breath inside of me, it makes me tired. Just like if I was praying in the understanding and I was just talking for 30 minutes. I mean, that makes me tired. And so to me, our refreshing comes through tapping into that breath, the, 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 the friend, you know, the, I don't know. I just say, and then it all should, should come through in a point of, of refinement so that it's effective. But sometimes it's just babble, or at least it feels that way. It's like praying for the children the other night. And I actually wasn't part of actually laying hands on them, but I was sure praying for them. And, you know, we're, there was everybody down there, and they were trying to get them, move your mouth, move your mouth, move your mouth. And, and so they're starting to try to, like, do what we're telling them to do. But for them, it probably just felt like Babel. Mm-hmm. So I say all that to say that it, to me it just goes back. And like you said, I mean, I haven't studied this out. This was a fleeting moment that I had this morning with the Lord and um, but I, it just to me it just it just comes back down to how he created us and how he created our innermost be- being to flow with him from that place of rest or from that place of his breath within us anyway well I think I think if you take the concept of the seventh day and you also take the concept of what you do in the ministry of intercession in stammering lips in an unknown tongue. Um, Both of them signify something that has been done on behalf of God, done in conjunction with his kingdom, but in both of those there's there's an ending point and then there has to be some measure of either replenishment or uh, supply, resupply, or supply, or reflection and meditation, where you gain your bearings for going forward, and in both of those points of rest and refreshing, rest in both is is the the spirit of the Lord, but there's obviously two different things going on in the refreshing, but both of them are su- supplying and bringing sustenance for what is coming. And I think part of that sustenance is reflecting on what he actually did, mm-hmm. what he actually said. Because with tongues, we know you're, you've got to interpret, you've got to you've got to understand. And I think that's the issue you face on that break point where you're just exhausted. You feel these spiritual drains plus physical drains, and you just want to shut down. Yeah, you need that. But if you don't also reflect, and if you don't also take responsibility to um, 
to gather up what God has said and then the principle of the seventh day look forward to the new give thanks but praise forward if you're not doing all of those things then somehow you're really not being supplied you may be resting in the natural or you may be doing other things in the natural that take your mind off of what you just did <clears throat> but you're not you're not really being equipped to go forward and that's the problem that's a, that's a problem maybe that could extrapolate further into what happens when a movement seeks after something in the Lord and then God visits and success comes and what do we say One of the greatest enemies of the church is success they get to a point where they think oh yeah look at this look what the Lord has done you know and everybody's happy but then it, it kills them why because they're not applying this rest and refreshing refreshing for the going forward mm. so um Maybe this is what I need to speak on tomorrow. But it doesn't matter whether I speak on it or not. It's whether we do it. Yeah. Yeah. And just hearkening back to something that you said earlier, you were talking about warfare and how, you know, is it warfare when we're battling something within? Um, that's an interesting thing to think about. But I do want to just bring to our attention how the Lord spoke going into this gathering, the importance that each one of us is before the Lord, and we ask him to examine us, to search our heart, to to see if there's anything in there that we needed to deal with, um, bitterness or offense, or you know, it could just be a small seed of something that could trip us up stepping into this gathering. And we were faithful, and we did that. And um, I really, I just want to share something that happened to me on Sunday morning that was such an unexpected thing. I, I was sitting before the Lord, just reflecting. This was early Sunday morning before service, reflecting, and um, I opened my Bible. And I mean, I have to say, in my flesh, and and I'm sure that you all probably experience the same thing. We have been fed so much meat, and and all you know, so much truth has been imparted into us by virtue of just his seeds of truth over these last number of days. That we have a responsibility to take those things and chew them up and process, digest, whatever, so that we can apply them in our lives. And, and there's so much. And so, you know, you, you, I think your flesh, you open your Bible on the seventh day and you think, oh my gosh, you know, I have so much. I, I feel I'm so full from all the meat that I've eaten. Like I marvel at how you do it. I, I just marvel that you can teach session after session after session and then leave the fourth session and go to your office and study. God gives you something brand new. You study it all out and you bring it in the fifth session. And that just happens over and over and over again where I sit, I'm sitting in my chair and I just feel like I'm so full from everything God has just fed me with. But his word is alive. And <laughs> so I sat down and I opened the Bible and I was just going to read a little bit before I went to prayer. I read two passages. And while I was reading that second passage, 
the spirit like came the spirit the spirit of the lord came over me and touched me in a really deep place inside of me and brought freedom to something that has been bothering me for a long time that i wasn't even thinking about but every once in a while it comes up and it just nags at me you know it just at the worst moment it's like i can be flowing and then i'll have this thought we all have these things and and it just will nag at me, trying to trip me up, trying to keep me from stepping into what God has for me. And the Spirit of the Lord literally came into me and set me free from that. In just a nanosecond, totally unexpected, at the end of the seminar. And I, it's like I could breathe in that place. It's like I was free. And so I, I came into prayer and I laid down, and I just I just laid there and the freedom of his spirit but also you know he said where the spirit of the lord is there's liberty there's freedom and i i got my ipad and i looked up that word for liberty and it means freedom but it means it's like permanent it's not like temporary freedom it's not like just a little bit of freedom it is the fullness of freedom once and for all set free and I just laid claim to that. I was just so thankful for that. And I just thought, Lord, it's just like you. We, you know, we came to this seminar. Everybody was such a player. Everybody was so engaged. We went forward as a body. We addressed things that might trip us up. And I think we've all had our hearts just laid out there to, for the Lord to deal with anything that could trip us up going forward. And yet then we come to the end of the seminar and he says to me, you know, there was that one thing. And and I want to bring freedom to that for you right now. And I just want I, I just felt like I needed to give testimony of that because I know that spirit, you know, his spirit is with us. And and if there's anything that you're dealing with and I, it was activated upon during the worship service. And and then Zach came in and he started singing about the refreshing for the breakthrough he came into prayer that morning and he prayed close to where I was. And he said, you know, I'm laying there just thanking the Lord for his freedom. And the Lord is down there speaking to him about, I am bringing a refreshing, like a water supply to, to bring this breakthrough for you. It's like refreshing is what he's saying, which we just talked about, but um, in a different context, but maybe not. So anyway, I just wanted to share that because the word is so alive and no matter how much we've taken in, there's still more. There's still ways that the Lord wants to speak to you um, through his word. And so don't put that book down and walk away and just say, I'm tired. I've had enough and I've got to digest what I've had, what I've got. You just stay stay fresh in it because he's speaking. So anyway. That's good. That's good. Freedom. <laughs> yeah. I uh, also want to encourage those of you who were prayed for for physical scenarios that you needed to present to the Lord for healing. I know that some of you testify to the fact that the Lord did a work in you and you no longer are troubled by the issue that you were facing. And we rejoice with you in that. And we pray that God will continue to keep you well. And that 
this will not be revisited again uh, as a as a counterattack in any way. But some of you are holding on for, um, for uh, in believing for a freedom that has not yet manifested itself, and that's always a difficult area to be in. And you know, some people. See, here's, here's what irritates me about a lot of Christian ministries, because a lot of Christian ministries promise things because they know people want to hear it. And if you listen to some of them, they walk on golden flakes, and everywhere they step, roses burst out of the ground and bloom. And they never have any problems because they've got it all figured out and they know exactly what to be done. And, and you know, I, over the, you know, I first started he hearing about healing ministries, my earliest memories in the early 60s, hearing on the radio or going to these meetings with all these latter rain revival guys. And, and many of them, I, I, I'm sure there was a great sincerity in all that movement. But one of the things that I've learned is that when it comes to physical healing, we believe in the Lord, but there are many ways that he touches, and there are some times that he, you know, he's trying to do something bigger in you in the process of that, and people just search for a touch and who doesn't who doesn't want to be well? Everybody does. And and they they run to different ministries that make this pitch that you know we've got it all figured out. If you just do what we say, it's going to work out. And that creates frustration all the way around because nobody but God has all the answers. And you know I I still you know one of the greatest healing evangelists that we know of is a guy named Smith Wigglesworth. And you've heard the stories about Wigglesworth and what he did and, you know, it's just miraculous things. But one of the things you don't read about is that Smith Wigglesworth, during the time he was doing all these things, suffered physically. And he had a malady, which I'm going to talk about, that he pled with God to take away and he lived with that all his life and his daughter who traveled with him also had not the same problem but another type of a problem so at the same time when people read these books about Wigglesworth punching a guy in the stomach and a guy being healed and all these other things which are wonderful at the same time this great healing evangelist struggled with stuff now, grateful, you know, he didn't get up and say, I just want you to know that I'm battling this. He never said that because that doesn't bode well for the faith of other people. But, um, and I could go on with lots of other things that you learn about after the fact. And I'm not being Debbie Downer here. That's not what I'm doing. Um, but I'm speaking into those of you who were prayed for who are standing on behalf of a miracle in your life, 
God is a restorer. That's that's the the essence of healing and the miraculous. To to be restored to what God wants, to be restored to function. And like you you testified about this past year, the things that God did in you, in in you. Oh. Because of the thing you went through with your ankle. And um, we all prayed for you. I've been, I've grieved over the fact that you have, have, were in pain or inhibited. But through all that process, you've become better. And, And now you're almost all the way restored. But, and you will be fully. Now, I'm not preaching the gospel of suffering. That's not what I'm preaching. But sometimes we don't view things as we should. And we want what we want and we want it now. And we don't recognize that God is in this for the long haul with us. Do you have some verse or something you wanted to share? Well, I I just... Recently, I was doing a, a teaching with the French-speaking saints, to which we have a Q&A for this, this weekend. But we, we were talking about Asenea, and we were talking about trials, and, and a lot of the things that, that Brother Burke talked about. Um, but you were talking about the healing, and one of the, the, the passages, actually several of the passages that we talked about, was the Apostle Paul. And we all know that he dealt with the thorn in his flesh, which was a physical malady. Nobody knows for sure what it is. I think it was his eyes. But he, one of the things that I love about some of the, the testimony or the ways that he ministered through it was that, hold on, let me find Are you talking about the thorn in the flesh and the grace is sufficient? That was that, that was the launching passage. But then when you look in Galatians chapter 4, he says, Brethren, I beseech you, be, a, be as I am, for I am as ye are. Ye have not injured me at all. Ye know, ye know how through infirmity or asthenia of the flesh I preached the gospel unto you. So it was through his asanea, it was through him pressing through that, that he preached to the saints. And then it says, and my temptation, or the word that Mark talked about, Pieris Mos, which was in my flesh, you despised not, nor rejected, nor received, but you received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. Where is then the blessedness you spoke of, for I bear you record that if it had been possible, you would have plucked out your own eyes and would have given them to me. So that's what makes me think that it was his eyes. But I love that, the fact that he uses that to say that he preached through that asenea. And, you know, sometimes we have to do that. And and then there's another passage where he speaks of, he's talking about this something similar But he says, giving no offense in anything that the ministry be not blamed, but in all things approving ourselves as ministers of God. And I think, you know, and I talked to the French-speaking people about that. I said, you know, we've had people accuse us of 
not focusing on healing or or not basically lack of faith because we might say, you know what, the Lord is in this and he wants to meet you in this and he's going to perfect his power through this, which I fully believe because that's what he did in me. You don't blame the ministry. But how many times also have we heard, I can't minister with you all anyway because I just get under attack. That, that you can't blame the ministry no. for the things that you walk through in the midst of ministry because if you're walking with the Lord, of course he doesn't want you to suffer. But he is in all things as we walk in him. And he, I guarantee you, he wants to perfect his, his grace and his power, his dunamis through you so that you can be effective and trusted with his power. Yeah. So. Anyway. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll, throughout the years, I suppose there's not been a more divisive topic than this one healing and you know every now and then it, it's kind of like when somebody gets quote unquote a burden for something and then they bring it to the pastor and if the pastor doesn't run it up the flagpole and go with it then they're angry and I always say you feel so strongly about this why don't you be that don't harangue everybody else you be that mm-hmm. God didn't give you that so that you can force everybody else to do it and, and see, that's the thing, you know, somebody like what you're talking about, if you feel so strongly about this, why don't you go before the Lord and pray and you just become that. Mm-hmm. Maybe you become the next great healing evangelist, but we believe in restoration. We've seen people healed. We see regularly people healed and we are healed. We're walking in health and vitality. But the way, uh, at least in the past couple of years, God has perfected a lot of things in me through things that I wanted him to take care of right then. And my issue then is with God. It, that, that's the really heart of it. You can blame everybody else. You know, we were dealing with a situation several months ago, and i got to be careful what I say about this, which I will, but a person was just laying it all out there about different things. But the, the problem was that this person was just frustrated on their own behalf, and their main frustration was with God. They were angry with God because he didn't give them what they wanted. Yeah. So it's everybody else's fault, and they attack, which is just, this is just the apex of immaturity and spoiled bratism. And, and so then they make everybody else frustrated. When the issue is... You know, talk about rest and refreshing. If refreshing really is sustaining, girding up, preparing for the going into the new, um, supplying for what's coming, which I believe it is, then maybe in the midst where people are seeking an answer in some way, maybe these same principles come there. Maybe you should stop focusing on what you want God to do and focus more on what he wants to do. Focus more on what he's trying to do in you that's beyond this thing that you're focused on. It's kind of like casting the, the speck out of a guy's eye when you've got a mote in your own. Maybe this is that same principle. People get fixated on one thing 
when God's saying, you know, it's not about this thing that you see in everybody else. It's about this big honker thing that's in your eye that I'm trying to fix. And it has nothing to do with the speck you see. It's this big thing here. And, you know, I, and, and it maybe go into the business of the, the, the bitter sop at the table of the Lord. You know, what, what's the bitter sop about? It's something that God wants to correct in you that will destroy what he's really wanting to do proactively with the bread and the blood. And so, I don't know. We're, we've gone off spinning here. <laughs> I just know that, you know, you mentioned restoration and there is healing. There's spontaneous healing. There's instantaneous there healing. I have been healed in this sanctuary more times than I can count. And most of those times I was laying before the Lord in an atmosphere of intercession or just in the presence of the Lord. And yes, I've been healed um, by the laying on of hands. I've been healed when I was standing down there just recently ministering and my ear opened. Yes. You know, we were talking about addressing things that would block. So it was, you know, it's a point of standing in your place and being who you are and being obedient to what God's called you to be. And he opened my ear. And I had been praying about that for weeks and weeks. And so, I mean, I firmly believe that spirit of healing is here. And I will defend it to the better, better end because... But I also believe in the process of restoration. And, I mean, he didn't spend all that time teaching about his ways and about his seven spirits. And that whole process. And then for us to come to this point where he even began to clarify even more what that means of walking in his ways. So it's, he wastes nothing. He uses all things if we will just surrender them to him. Yeah, I mean, you think about it. And we believe in healing. We're not speaking sickness on anybody. We're not preaching the gospel of suffering. We believe in the whole of who we're supposed to be to be brought into alignment with what God wants. And, and one of the things that I know is that this message that we've been given from the Word that's, that's growing, there are going to have to be signs that happen for people in these places that we're going to to recognize the validity of what God's bringing in the Word. I know that. But I'm not building a ministry on that. We're building a ministry on the Word. Um, and Well, it's just like Jesus, and that was part of this teaching that I just did. You know, what, what about Lazarus? Well, why did, why did Jesus hold back for yeah. how many days and in trouble the sisters and trouble all of them he died to the point where he stunk mm -hmm. and jesus knew exactly what was going to happen he was going to go when the, when the father said go and he was going to he was going to touch him and he was going to be raised that's a little more extreme than healing but it's the same principle and what did he say so that god would be glorified right. it's all for his glory no matter how it looks yeah it's all for his glory and if you specialize in that ministry mm -hmm. what in the world are you going to do in eternity <laughs> you're going to be out of work aren't you 
Well, to me, that's just part of being in his presence. Yeah. It's not, I, I know people have the anointing to heal. I, I'm not discounting. Yes, I'm not saying that. It's the issue, though, of people who, oh, I gotta watch how I describe it, just focus on that and then get irritated if you're not focused on it. We're focused on restoration. Yeah. I'm here today perfectly well, whole, strong, stronger than I've been. And that came through a process. I, I have to laugh because, you know, I deal with this situation with my ankle continuously. But I will say that being faithful to the therapeo, payo, therapeo, and to the physical therapy that God, through yeah. my doctor, has prescribed for me. Um, just two weeks before the seminar, I started exercising again, which is huge, and I'm very thankful for that. So I feel great. And, and doing my physical therapy, being faithful to that, and my ankle has felt so, so, so much better. Now, I have to say that until I get the metal plates and screws out, it's probably going to bother me. And the, my doctor told me that from the get-go. You're going to want this out as soon as you can get it out because it's going to bother you. And it does. But the week during the seminar when I was not able to do my physical therapy, I could have. But I chose to be here and to focus on what I was focus, focusing on that my ankle started hurting again after like the second day. because Not because there was something wrong with it, but because I was, first of all, not doing physical therapy. I was not being faithful to that. Second of all, I was standing in the uncomfortable shoes for a long, long yeah, time. Yeah, exactly. So by the end of the week, so this morning I had to report to my coach and and say, it's so funny that all of the workouts and the, the movements that you've given me to do were making it feel better, but just a week of standing on it in shoes I shouldn't be wearing... <laughs> made it flare up again. So I say all that to say being faithful to the prescription that God has given to you in the process of restoration is so important. And you know that. You've lived that with your back. Yeah. So it's strange. I mean it's a process. It is a process and part of that is seeing when God chooses to do something instantaneously, we rejoice. And we believe for that. That's the, that is something that we all want to see because we don't want people suffering. We don't want people in pain. And we believe for that. But what I do believe in is that God is about restoration and he wants to restore you. And it may be that your restoration, the moat of your restoration may be something so much bigger than what you see. Mm -hmm. And, but the point though is that at some point, this body, this natural body, is going to be done. Everybody that's ever lived on this earth, except for Moses and Elijah. Well, actually, Moses died. He did die. They searched for his body. Elijah and Enoch. And the Lord's resurrected body went up. But everybody else has gone the way, as they say, of all flesh. So 
Are you going to focus on things that are temporal? We believe in the miracle power of God. Yes. Or are you going to focus on things that are eternal? Hopefully, you focus on things that are eternal, the, the, the eternal identity that God has given you and the responsibility he's given you, your physical body will be quickened. If the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, yeah, that spirit's in each of us, and, and, and it's functioning, he will quicken your mortal body. But the main thing is that spirit. Don't you think? Mm -hmm. So we speak life and health to you. We speak... Freedom. Yeah, <laughs> we speak the replenishing, refreshing, the rest. We speak restoration, all these are words. Um, and may God, may you do something with what God gave to you and to all of us over the course of this past season so that we're ready to go forward in the revelation of his word that is fresh and new. Mm. Amen. To me, that's the, that's the supply. Nothing supplies us more than for the spirit to guide us into a new measure of truth. Because that's the meat that we utilize to go forward in God. That's the sword of the Spirit. Excuse me. And that's really what we need. Man, it's been an hour. It's gone. I'm really thankful. I, I, you know, I, was it the first night? Was it Wednesday night when you called everyone up who needed healing? And I, I was just astounded that almost the whole body went forward for healing for something. Yeah. To me, speaks so much of the faith of this people and the belief of this people. And whether it's something small or something, um, you know, a real cha physical challenge. I don't know the details of 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 them all, but I do know that the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord, was there, yeah. and that every single person got touched, including myself. Yeah. And I didn't go forward because um, I didn't feel like I don't even know why I didn't. It's so funny because you, you had the testimony of people and one dear saint got up and said, last night God touched me and took away all the pain. There's none, there's none here. And we rejoice in that. And, and there were others, I'm sure. Um, so who's in charge of that? Is that God? must have done something quote unquote right for that to have happened how could you do something right for that to happen and then somebody over here saying you're not doing it right I'm I'm not touched who's who's really at work there and what's really being done yeah these are big questions but I do know this that and I've been I, I recognize this in the scripture 
I recognize that what Jesus did in his teaching and preaching ministry um, and, and we used to talk about this too when missionaries would come to the church and they talk about these incredible things that would happen or evangelists would go over into these third world countries and incredible things would happen and people would say well why isn't that happening here why is it happening out there well maybe it's because people here God has them in a church they already towed around 15 Bibles and God's trying to work some work in them that's that's based upon his development of who they are and these guys that including us that go over into other nations where people have not heard the word on that front line is when there are signs that are showcasing the word if you already have the word well maybe it's time for you to see what else God wants to be developing in you does that make sense mm -hmm. but that that's an age-old question that I can remember just from the time I was a little kid hearing people talk about that and now that we've traveled into many different continents in ministry through the grace of God we see the difference between being in these four walls and in conferences here and actually being on the front line seeing things. But these signs follow them that believe. They follow as you're obeying and going forward. And... You know, and too, I... Not to get into a whole other discussion, but I believe that, you know, I, it's, it's hard for me to believe that the Lord would want me to vacate my place here and run to another ministry to get healing. Because this, this other ministry has this anointing for healing. However, or so they say. Well, I mean, I know that there are people that walk in that anointing. Right, right. But, but then I also. One second, oh. keep it. But they don't bat a thousand. No, of course not. And that's I mean, what a lot of people think. It's, uh, yeah. If I was just over here, go ahead. I'm I sorry. mean, I think my prayer of my heart is, Lord, your will be done in my life, however, whatever it looks like. But I also believe in the power of, and I know I've just preached this a lot, is the power uh, at the table of communion and what that represents with his broken body the stripes that he took for our healing and the power and the blood. And to me, yes, that is something that we share together as a congregation, as a body of Christ, and it's necessary and we need to do that. But I also feel it's something that individually before the Lord, we can do on our own. We can partake at that table with him. He's called us to fellowship with him in his presence at his table and by faith receive that body and that bread and for it to touch our body in supernatural ways. And so, I, you know, this has just been something that I've been really passionate about, I think, since the lockdown, because I thought, oh, my gosh, we can't meet. How are we going to have communion? And so I just started doing it on my own. I would do it with my family. I did it, you know, for with the kids when they were home for the lockdown. And it was something that we did on a regular basis. So it became something that became a lifestyle. And I wholeheartedly believe in that. 
that. Did, did you drink, go through the drive-through communion? Where they <laughs> they tossed it in my cup. Remember the big text the judge said that? Um, no, but I have one of those little portable communion things in my car right now. Because yeah. I think if I if I feel moved upon, I'm going to use it. Well, you know, I I told you over the years, like Catherine Kuhlman was based in Pittsburgh when I was first a little boy. My mom was part of her prayer women. And so after thousands of people would show up and there'd be all these miracles that happened, undeniably, they would talk with Catherine about the number of people who came and were still struggling and what you do to encourage them. See, these are the behind the scenes things that people that are really immature um, don't really want to concentrate on. So, yes, the Lord heals. We all believe that. We've experienced it. But there are ways that God wants to move in us that are that are the essence of who he really is and some people and I know people are desperate I remember when my brother-in-law Jack my wonderful wonderful brother-in-law got sick and we all prayed and believed and he and my sister went the circuit of I don't know how many healing evangelists and I believe in that ministry don't get me wrong listen to me and he was prayed for by some really clean-up hitters in this ministry. And Jack's with the Lord right now. <laughs> and we grieve that he died. I remember sitting with my sister as she wept on my shoulder. And it was terrible. But you know what? Guess what? No matter how many times you're healed... At one point, you're going to say goodbye to this physical body. Not mine, yours. That's interesting. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm done. No, I was just going to say, similar, my, my sister, who was part of this body for, for many, many years and struggled with, will you, how many times did you visit her in the hospital? How many times did you pray for her? For various things. Various things, but it was always something. And addiction, I mean, you name it, and the reality that she got physically radically healed when she embraced the spirit of what God was doing here and gave her life for intercession for the purpose of God that he wanted to do in this body. And I, we all watched it. And that healing of the core of who she was brought everything else into focus. Totally. And and not only healed her, delivered her and restored her. Yeah. And it was on a bus. So I mean it, I mean I'm sure it was a process, but yeah, I'm just saying when she, when her heart opened yeah. So I you know I was thinking about your sister this morning and I was thinking I wish she was here because I sure could talk to yeah, her right yeah. now. I have so many things I, could, I would love to talk to her about. Oh, yeah. You know, I I remember she's with the Lord now, but I remember she asked if I would come up to the hospital with her when they were doing 
is kind of an exploratory surgery. So I went. That was one of the most difficult times. What do you do when you're there and you perceive the angels are there? You think the, I never once heard the angels whispering to one another saying, you know, if he just really understood more about this, we could do something. I don't ever remember seeing that. I remember, I remember many years ago when we were, when we first committed to follow the Lord in this, and we went through some horrific financial challenges here at this church. And I remember being caught up into the heavens during prayer times in the morning, one morning in particular. And there we were before the throne, and, and I saw who I know to be Michael come through, and then Gabriel came through in that rainbow, that inimitable rainbow that he depicts for the ways of God. And what a glorious time of prayer. And remember going down into my office facing a mountain of bills. We never reneged on any of them. We were, we were in good standing. But we did not have money. We had not. And I, I remember saying to somebody, this is the strangest thing, be before the throne of the Lord and just have an encounter with Michael and Gabriel and not have the money to pay the salary that I'm supposed to take home today. Now, somehow, God's provided. Mm -hmm. Somehow, we've been blessed. Mm -hmm. Somehow, everything that we need has been provided for. But you cannot put yourself in a position where you say, well, you know, if I just understood, I heard some idiot, and that's what he was, back in the heyday of the faith movement, saying that if Paul the Apostle had really understood faith, this Ike's situation, or whatever it was that he was facing, he could have been free. And I thought, man, listen to yourself. What is wrong with you? That's pretty dangerous. It was dangerous. And it, it, so do you think I was right calling, saying it was an idiotic belief? That, that's almost blasphemous, but it's not blasphemous. Mm -hmm. The key point that we know that we know that we know is that God knew us from the foundation of the world. We're here with a purpose from him. His spirit within us, born again through Christ, there's something that he wants to do in all of us, and that's what he's interested in. Amen. And sometimes his grace being sufficient is going to need to take you. What was that grace sufficient? Was it? We often say that it was some great thing that Paul was believing for that was going to go into a new horizon. Could that grace have been something in him? that God needed to perfect in him so that he could then be strengthened to lead other people up into that measure of victory? How many times did he say things like that in the scripture? You know, we, well, I'm glad when I'm weak because then uh, he's made strong and what we suffered and when shaking came upon us was so that you could come up. Seems I've like read things like that. Yeah, I totally agree. And it's interesting because, you know, it starts off count it all joy, which Mark laughed about. But that word for count, it, it means to command. 
So you command it with joy, which we know joy is the plan of God. So you launch off commanding that in joy in the fullness of his plan and partnering with that. And all those things just flow. It's, it's, yeah. But it doesn't come without the trial. It doesn't come without, you know, and if there's anything that I have learned over the last couple of years through what I have personally been through, is that what the Lord really wants is for me to welcome him into the depths of whatever it is I'm going through. And to, so that he can walk through, I can walk through it with him. He can show me, he can give me revelation. His grace is there. I mean, even in the pain, it's when I learned, literally learned how to welcome him into that place of pain or whatever it is I was experiencing that I physically didn't think I could overcome. It's, I mean, with him, it's all possible. It's just, he wants, he wants, he wants, I mean, he wants to abide with, he wants us to be one with him. He wants us to truly be in the vine, abiding with him through everything, not just the things that are easy. And then when things get hard, well, well, you know, you've forsaken me, Lord. That's, that's not the way it is. Cause I mean, of all things, he's our high priest that experienced every one of these things. He knows every single thing that we face because he, he was touched by everything. Anyway. Well, and now just to be clear, we are not declaring the gospel of suffering. No. We are not proclaiming anything that entitles the enemy to do anything to you. Because that's the next step that people would say. See that game? Because they said that. We're not saying that. We're speaking freedom for you. Yeah. But we're speaking into whatever you're believing for. That God would perfect what it is that he's doing in your life. And that you be restored. There are many different things that God is about in your life. So we're, we take authority over anything that we've said that could cause anybody to welcome the enemy to do something wacky in their life. We take authority over that. We're not saying that. What we're speaking about is restoration yeah. and victory and yeah. being strong in the Lord and in the power of his might and overcoming. Amen. Amen. It reminds me of of Madame Guion and some of her writings, which many of you maybe have read. Um, she's from maybe the 17th century. She's many, many, many centuries ago. But um, she was one of those intercessors that had the capacity, the, the passion, the pursuit to, to probe into the very depths of the heart of the Lord. And and. And yet the things that she suffered are off the charts, yet the way she expresses how every single thing that she walked through just led her closer to the Lord is such a testimony. And I'm not saying we're called to suffer, but the Bible does say, I mean, I mean, didn't it say, didn't Jesus say about the Apostle Paul when he got knocked off his donkey? Didn't he say the things that you will show him that I can show him the things he's going to suffer for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I don't quote unquote, I've got that scripture somewhere, but I mean, yeah. it, it's, it, I know the Lord wants us free. And I started this broadcast off giving testimony about how the Lord has set me free from something that was plaguing me. 
So we are speaking about the freedom and the liberty and the spirit of the Lord as we've welcomed his presence and we're stepping into the fullness of that. Yeah. It's just a matter of sub- surrender and submission to his perfect will in your life. Yeah. So. Uh, it's, it's just, it's an interesting, it's an interesting thing, but we'll, we'll miss what God is really doing if we get hung up on wanting what we want and wanting it now. And then the obligatory, I just don't understand how God could cause this to happen, which is totally a statement of unbelief. Um, yeah, there's a lot of times, like this verse, Hebrews 5.8, Though he were a son, yet he learned, obe- yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. Yeah, he's our high priest. Why didn't he just bind him and rebuke him and cast because, him out? No, I, I... Yeah. Yeah. And suffered there is Pasco, a sensation or impression, um, undergoing difficulties, to be in a bad plight, and, and it, of a sick person. Now, not that Jesus was ever sick. No, but that's the tra- I mean, that's the passion of the Christ. That's the translation of the passion. Yeah. Being made perfect. Mm-hmm. That's it is, and he became the author of eternal salvation. Boy, I know we were only being paid for an hour. We've just got an hour and seventeen minutes. Do we get overtime? I, that's what I, I need to. Who can I call about that? <laughs> Ghostbusters. <sighs> Thanks, everybody. Sorry, you. We don't pay you anything to listen to us. So, may God bless all of you, and uh, we show very much blessed by what y'all mean to us and may may god bless you all let's keep moving forward in him thanks so much goodbye